0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Arbitrarium Podcast. Today's topic is Human. What is? Subtitle, How Do. My guests today are Internet Hall Monitors, Garrett and Nicholas Harriman. So guys, what the hell am I? Who are you? How did I get here? Staring at days gone by. This is not my beautiful house. You're not my beautiful wife, Garrett.
1: I I should hope not. Mm, Yeah, I, I think you could do better, Dave.
0: Me too. But that's a totally different podcast. We have that one planned out.
1: We do. Well, planned out is, yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, yeah.
1: We we don't do a lot of planning around the Arbitrarium here. It's more of a spur of the moment. What do you want to do? We're a bit understaffed
0: in the R&D department.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, to to answer your first question, um, we looked up Merriam-Webster, the definition of human, um, and found it particularly wanting it is and i quote a bipedal primate mammal yes much like
2: nick here well i would say that um if it's a bipedal primate mammal that's pretty much any like great ape at any given moment if a chimp stands up on its back hind legs i'm not expecting it to put on a business suit and pick a career nor am I expecting a baby to be considered non-human. Otherwise, there'd be much more interest in, you know, serving them on fast food. Yeah, yeah, babies aren't exactly bipedal, at least for, no, not uh, for, for a good long a while, anyway. No, no.
1: So, by that Border definition, not
0: toddler at that point. <clears throat> yeah,
1: by that by that definition, you know, babies aren't humans. It's true, mm, which is disconcerting. Uh, is quest- that what
2: the abortion argument is built on? the <laughs> uh, question. Once a man starts using a walker, does that turn him into a six-legged animal? At which point, something unseen or undefined by Webster, by a... Does, does that explain uh, Dr. Kevorkian? <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I was doing a... You know, he's got a walker. He's now six-legged. He's not bipedal, so not a human. Does that explain Dr. Kevorkian?
3: Hmm. <laughs>
0: uh, do, do, do you do, do you mean uh, not Kevorkian? Kevorkian was the assisted suicide guy? No,
1: I, that's exactly who I meant. Oh, okay. Yes. It's not—it's it's not you know murder anymore because it's not a human.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were making a uh, Doctor Moreau joke because he has six legs instead of two.
2: Well, if if this is the case, Doctor oh. Moreau would be much easier with his task because all he'd need to do is just chop someone's foot off or give him a cane. And true. Home. Yeah, it's true. someone who, by that definition, someone who's been
1: who's had their leg cut off is no longer human.
0: Oh, you know what? That's right. That's
1: They're true. partially human. So. Yeah, the, the Merriam definition or Merriam Webster definition of human is
0: uh, woefully uh, insufficient.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is neither; it is insufficient, and uh, there there are more necessary conditions for that. Yes, and Boring. that's
0: why we have the episode. Yeah. Boring and lazy, if you think about it. So what 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 are we thinking? What are those additional things that uh, make a person human? What do we start with? Hmm.
1: Well, at what what level do we want to start?
0: Okay, let's start. Let's start <laughs> with the, the level that most people will kind of think of first. So, like the scientific biological level. What makes a human a, a human and not any other animal? What are some of the things? It's physically.
1: It's genetic code would be would be where I'd start from. You know, okay. you you can analyze the genetic code and it comes up as most mostly human. I'd, I'd call it human.
2: Mm, consider how I close. mean every
1: every human's going to have various genetic. Um, mutations inside them so you Hmm. can't it's got to be mostly human in that one thinking of chimps at this point like
2: well that's exactly where i was going because Mm. we are very very close to them yes then again we also share a lot of our genetic or genetic makeup with a fern that's actually something that is true we have a lot of the same chromosomes as a fucking fern interesting didn't know that.
1: I'd like to have that one fact check, and I need to see the source for that. That's a, hmm. That is a very bold claim. Mm-hmm.
2: That's true. That's extraordinary
1: true. claims. Yeah. Require extraordinary evidence. Quickly, turn into a fern.
2: <laughs> well, then we just come into the whole walker thing again.
1: Yeah. So, starting bare-bone basics, yeah. Uh, a, a genetic test would be able to tell if something's human. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't know what the... <clears throat> I'd say 99.9999% Maybe more nines thrown on there it is shared by everybody, so, okay, that, that we can call that a human.
3: Okay.
2: No, we can call it human tissue. I mean... Which was something, that's, I yeah, think, the direction it. Dave was about to go. <laughs> was yes, yes.
1: Go,
0: go. Okay, so we, we have the basic... I mean, we could probably go on on and on about the, the physical makeup of a human being. You know, bipedal is a big part of that. There are other bipedal animals, but we are...
1: We're not an ostrich.
0: ...particularly bipedal.
1: <laughs> but ostriches aren't mammals, so... True.
0: As far as mammals go, we are particularly bipedal. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: there are other... Kangaroos? And well,
0: that's true. Yeah, kangaroos true. are... Who was that, uh... Would you consider a kangaroo an upright animal, though?
1: Well, I wouldn't consider it we? a primate, so that's why it doesn't fall in there, but... Right, right. Well,
2: well I hear that the bogans are the marsupial world, so... Not really <laughs> upright mammals. <laughs> I see what you're <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm dying. Obscure well, Star Wars reference. What?
1: No. He said Bogans, not Bothans. Oh!
0: Oh, yeah, Australian oh, oh, yes. thing.
1: Okay,
2: never mind, sorry. The, I believe it's the Australian equivalent of white trash. Right, yes. right. Many Bogans died to bring us this information. <laughs> That's not information, that is methamphetamines. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Without getting into quantum mechanics, there is information there.
0: <laughs> okay, so now here's the next question. So we got something that is genetically human, um, but maybe, maybe this genetically human... Uh, creature behaves like something that isn't human.
1: Okay, so like uh, were those Let's, stories of uh, like feral Mowgli, kids raised yeah, by like wolves—a
0: Mowgli type of situation, right? Yeah, you know, okay. ra- raised by wolves and then and then a panther and then a bear.
1: Why those things are all in India, I don't know, but I don't think there are many bears in India.
2: Well, there's sun bears. Yeah, bears in India.
1: Yeah, yeah, sun bears barely count as bears. They're okay? considered the
2: ch- the crappiest of bears.
1: They're one of the worst bears.
0: I don't know, man. Koalas? They aren't even bears. Those
1: aren't even bears.
0: <clears throat> they're called koala bears, and they're dumb as hell.
2: They are. They also carry chlamydia. You they, probably... they are the quintessential smooth brain mammal. Yes. Yeah. I'm back during the uh, fires in Australia, I kept seeing all these pictures of koalas all burned up. and like, don't touch it as chlamydia, and it's also very mean. Yeah, I have I mean, Australian friends. They fucking hate them. I can't help but feel...
0: <clears throat> Somewhat bad for a burning animal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but it's also a smooth brain, so it didn't run. No, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Well, that's like
1: saying you know, a, a, a baby that survived a house fire by the grace of God. True. Well, he's
0: got you there. That's you know, true.
1: It, it, it koalas aren't exactly known for their uh, athletic capability. I mean, they sleep twenty two hours a day. It was probably taking a nap.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, we're getting on the subject of what makes a koala and what do, what it do.
1: We are getting into next industry. episode.
2: Koala, <laughs> what
0: is why alive? <wildlife.
2: laughs> yes, <clears throat> I suppose the uh, that brings up the mental capacity of what makes a human.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're talking about <clears throat> now. We're talking about the, the the intelligence of a human and what makes that. How much more intelligent are we than other than than, than even the next closest intelligent creature?
1: Animal animal intelligence is something very hard to gauge. Mm. Yeah, because. Um, and then there's also we can only gauge them by the standards that of things that we would consider signs of intelligence mm-hmm. so things that we see as very intelligent um, high abstract thinking uh, problem solving tool use we can kind of test for that uh, high abstraction is
0: and to be the, fair it's, it's all, all it's but, all it's all pragmatic so yes there's a, there's pragmatic. a good reason to 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 believe those those things are a, yes. good, a reasonable scale for right intelligence.
1: And then studies; the, these are scientific, and as uh, I believe we talked about in, in some previous episode, science can only really measure physical things. Yes. So, when you're ta- when you're trying, it's to actually measure...
0: even more limited than that. It can only measure physical things, and it can only measure things that we can observe. Well, yeah, because it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a mechanism that mm-hmm. humans exclusively use. Yeah. Well, there's there's an argument that that's arguable, but I think we all understand what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. There are other animals that use what could be considered science, but very very I, I wouldn't very
1: rudimentary. It, I wouldn't call it science, I'd call it trial and error.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I mean that's the argument there. It's like what do you mm-hmm. consider science? But that's a whole other thing.
1: Right. So, yeah, we there are very bright animals. Mm. Um my, my personal favorite is crows. Yeah, the unsung one.
2: The unsung one. The right octop- for uplift. Mm. Well, so is the octopus. And, uh, oh, yeah, o- Octopuses don't live long enough. Well, frankly, with some genetic engineering, all at uplift, I think they'd be great, you know, space pilots.
0: <laughs> A lot of dexterity. And uh, they're used to moving in three dimensions.
2: And independent limbs. Mm. Think of all the systems they could handle. True. Assuming they had the cognitive capability to, actually handle I saw an, an article. Well,
0: I also saw an <clears> article <throat> title. I didn't actually read it, but I saw the title that said um, that that they they were starting to think that it's that perhaps octopus tentacles had their own individual brains or intelligences or something along those lines. Now,
1: I'd, I'd say intelligences. Sure, that makes sense to me. I mean, right? Not
0: physical brain. I would have. I, I would assume we are, would have known that. Yeah,
1: cephalopods are well known for having you know distributed
2: brain power, so.
0: As much as I love cephalopods, I don't actually know much about them.
2: It just occurred to me that um, a lot of species of cephalopod, octopi included, have one tentacle that is specifically used as a genital. So it means that one of them that, that they literally think with one of their dicks. Well,
0: yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't realize I had so much in common with the octopus.
1: <laughs> when you said "dick," you have plural.
0: They're also into tentacle porn.
1: Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. The thing to uh, I'm out. gonna make
0: a note here. I am not actually into tentacleborn. I'm the one who is. Yeah, we do have one. <laughs> There's always one.
2: And there will be only
1: one.
0: But anyway, like the brothers. <laughs> 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 now that we've sufficiently talked about almost everything but a human.
1: Well, well, I think the reason we keep talking about other things is
0: you have to. The, yeah.
1: the reason that that, that 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 I know where you're going with here. Say it. Something can only have an identity if it is if it has something to contrast against. Hmm.
0: I don't like Derrida very much, but that that particular point does come up quite a bit.
1: Yeah, you oh, can't I, I
0: know the thing if unless it, unless you reference it against the, all the things that it's not.
1: Yeah. All right. He got one right thing <laughs> for someone who wanted to have sex with kids. So. Uh... Yes. Well. Hmm.
2: Socrates. But I think the. I, he got going a lot back to that, right. no, he got a lot of things right. He still want to have sex with kids.
0: Didn't know that about Socrates. Continue, Garrett.
2: Well, he's ancient Greek, so.
1: Going back to that definition of of human from Merriam-Webster, <clears throat> what I was going with was we keep talking about other things in relationships to in relationship to humans, and Derrida was right. So one time I will mention that at this table. And you, the the definition was so broad because it kind of has to be. Mm. If you try to make any more distinction than that in a quick, easy definition in a dictionary, um, you're you're going to get far into the weeds real quick.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: You've opened a cargo container full of worms. Pallets upon pallets of worm cans.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what um, specific differences humans have with other creatures. Maybe that's a good way, a good a good place to go now. What what are some very distinct differences that we have?
3: Well,
0: you know, complex all the language.
2: things. Well, complex language, complex. Yeah, complex language is it. But
0: well, let's start. Let's start with the, as as um, non subjective as possible, and then move into more because complexity complexity in language is an arguable well, okay kind of
2: thing. Uh, we could start off with some of the physical features. For one thing, we are the only great ape that has that really makes use of sweat glands. Mm-hmm. We're the only ones who are who evolved to be primarily bipedal and able to more readily throw objects and you know carry them. Carry them, maybe uh, throw them. Though, I don't know. Well, okay. There's throw throwing them, and maybe there's it's... lobbing. Okay. Yeah, apes. If you if you
1: watch videos of apes throwing things you'd think, you know, these are very powerful animals. Like a chimpanzee could, you know,
0: tear crush a man's your arm off. Yeah.
1: Tear a man's arm off, <laughs> which it can. <laughs> yeah. But when you tr- watch it, try and throw something, it's more of a, just lob it in the air. Mm. They can't speed ball anything right. because their arms are too damn long. It throws them <laughs> off balance and then they end up in, on the, in their face. And it's just not built for throwing. <clears throat> right. Um, humans can throw things. It's, it's, it's we can better. aim. We can aim. Yeah. It's it's one of the defining human features, really, yeah. now that I think about it. The ability to aim? The ability to throw. Oh. Like, actually throw. throw, throw right. Not just lob or right, kick something right. around. And
0: mm. the difference there seems to be aim, in particular. Well, mm. I mean, you can, you can aim a
1: lob. You can aim a lob. Yeah. But it's, it's the difference between, um, to use military terminology, indirect and direct fire. Mm. Yes. Well, direct
2: and indirect fire is right. a better way to phrase that. Right. I have a I thought of another thing that that differentiates us from other primates or and other animals in general. Mm-hmm. Uh I believe I've mentioned this in other well conversations outside of the arbitrarium, which is my theory as to why humans develop pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to our biggest advantages over other animals. And this is your hypothesis, not your theory. Oh, my hypothesis, yes. My, sorry. It has not been tested. Oh, uh, it's been tested a lot, I think, with a... You know, we have no data, because I can't actually dig up an ancient human and ask it questions. Mm. But the hypothesis is that the earliest... Well, the earliest human hunting method was not to kill it in one strike, or even to chase it fast enough to grab it. It was to follow it, chase it, and run it down until its endurance was gone. Endurance hunting. Yes, mm-hmm. endurance hunting. You run it down till it dies of its own exhaustion. Which again are sweat glands, the fact that we can carry water that we can drink along the way and throw means that, well, we're that's that's a great way of hunting. But you also have to be able to recognize tracks once you stop. Once
1: you lose sight of what you're chasing, yes. Because something's going. Chances are, whatever you're hunting is going to be able to out sprint you.
0: Yes. Well, here's the question that I would have then: How much more effective is track hunting than scent hunting? Because there are many animals outside of us. Because our our sense of smell is nowhere near as strong. Like we, Uh, our our eyes are our primary sense.
1: There aren't there aren't very many endurance hunters out there. Right. For an endurance hunter, track hunting
2: is mm, probably going to be better. Yes. uh... Over time, those scent trails can blow away with the wind, mm. but broken twigs, paths in the dirt, have they gone right, in water, right. okay. mud, that kind of thing. That makes sense. And so, that is, which I believe also connects with our tendency to look for patterns, which I think is not something common in other species, but any at all.
0: Well, no, I, I, think, <clears throat> I think there is a rudimentary version of that, because you can give um, chimpanzees Objects that are only sort of resembling other chimpanzees, and they'll respond you know especially I think the test that I've seen done well whether they'll give a chance <coughs> chimpanzee mother whose child has died, they'll give that mother a uh, another like an object that kind of not even really that closely resembles a mm-hmm. you know a baby chimpanzee, and it will soothe them mm-hmm. like they'll 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 take it in and they'll they'll nurture it
2: has mm-hmm. really um, pattern recognition.
0: It's enough of a pattern recognition. It's very rudimentary because it's the most basic form of pattern recognition, which is recognizing the recognizing your own image in very vague semblances of that image. Hmm. And humans do that constantly. I mean, huh, yeah. how many of us have been, you know, taking a shit or something and then looking at, like, a wooden door and seeing all the faces in it that look like people? Or something like that, or,
2: or the tiles, Or somebody looking at a piece of toast and seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes or the very fact that a human being can be- can become attracted to a cartoon character.
0: Yeah. Anthropomorphism. So yeah, I mean, I think pattern recognition, we're not the only creature that has I, pattern I, recognition, but again, it's I, it's one of those it's one of those um Issues of varying complexity. How complexly do we do we recognize patterns? How complex are the patterns that we can recognize? And I think that's what distinguishes us from other animals who can recognize patterns. Because being able to count is pattern recognition.
1: Uh, Crows can do that. Horses can do that. I think you're going to like this a bit more than what you were just saying. Okay. Mm. Um, many animals can recognize <clears throat> patterns, yes. But humans are able to assign deeper meaning to different patterns.
0: Yep, you're right. I do yeah. like that better, and I'm, you know exactly why I like that
2: better.
1: Well, <laughs> you're all about that meaning. I am. You're, you're all about building everything out of meaning.
2: <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I do wish you're to... Like a, you're
1: like a meaning bricklayer.
2: <laughs> I, I can say that I've, I've read that uh, horses can't actually count, or at least as they've uh, <coughs> shown. <clears throat> they usually just... Uh, the specific trick where they you know clap their hoof you know, after being shown a number is not so much them understanding the number as reading the person who is holding the uh, the sign. I don't think I've actually done it without a person in, in the room.
0: That's interesting because to me that seems like a more complex
2: issue. Well, a less complex re- issue. reading body language is something that just about any animal is capable of. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but if a human being was standing there without a sign and they said... And, and, and it, well, no. With- I wouldn't look at that person and think, okay, they want me to count to three. That's like telepathy or something.
2: Or it's a trick that they've done, just as, oh, here's a counting horse. Well,
1: I think what Nick's going with here, and I, I kind of agree with him on that one, is conceptually reading body language is hard, especially from a if you're if you're approaching it from a scientific standpoint where you have to categorize and um, measure each individual uh, stance hmm. or disposition or that kind of thing yes that is very complex but how long have numbers been around
0: well since somebody gave it a, a symbol no
1: well yeah th- that would be the number itself i mean
0: oh you mean numbers per se as yes they existed? numbers per se oh forever
1: no, no presumably
2: i suppose no. it's the first time ma-
1: or uh, some form of homo- the abstraction of a number oh well, then yeah, yeah you're talking represent about it. it well yeah it's that's... only been around for a few thousand years right
0: yeah uh, presumably. presumably so when you say numbers per se, what that means is numbers outside of humans numbers on their own
1: yeah mm. i I picked up that's what i okay, just, I got you you're good that's not what I meant right i got <laughs> I got you um how
0: long has the concept of numbers been around, and yeah
1: about about a few thousand years, right, give or take as far as we know, mm-hmm. barring the atlanteans um, caveat
0: after caveat after caveat, they won't know what hit hit 'em. <laughs>
1: How long has body language been around? Longer. As long as there's been life. Yeah. Orders of magnitude longer. <laughs> so it would make sense that even though... Um, and we've been riding horses longer than we've had, n- had numbers. We've mm. been dealing with horses longer than we've had numbers. Kind of like uh, the physiological responses between a human and a dog. When a human is petting a dog. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've developed that kind of... Symbiosis with horses. So the ones that could read our body language better, we let breed.
0: Okay, so my question then is: How does the horse like? Is it is it that really fine tuned that a horse can read the body language of a human that is holding up a sign that says well, three versus a sign that says two?
2: Allegedly, because well, that's
0: I, really complex.
2: I would also say. That I would think. I would also say they're using horses that are specific. They don't just grab a wild horse.
0: Well yeah, that's
2: generally I think we can. Well, that would kind of be unethical to. To start with, I think, just taking an animal out of the wild and just boom, here we're doing experiments on it. Freedom mm. for that. Thing. I mean, we did that for thousands of years. But go on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, <coughs> we decide this is a little more ethical. Ethical millennia, I guess. Hmm. Well, uh, that's that's just the point I wanted to make. Okay. How does what, it all matter?
0: Well, where where did we start this line? Now, what what are we doing? What are we doing again?
2: Um, uh, pattern recognition. Yeah. Yes, pattern pattern recognition.
0: recognition. So, uh. We've decided that, that, again, that's a matter of complexity, how, how complex the patterns are. It's not necessarily the
1: complexity of the pattern. Okay. That's the it's, it's the meaning thereof. Okay. Like, uh, cats can see a broken twig. Right. But they don't make that leap that something passed through here to break it. Are <laughs> we sure about that? As an example, I'm not sure of that specific example, but just... I mean, you might be right, but
0: I could could believe that a wild cat would be able to not consciously make that determination, but there would be something there that would be like, there's a broken twig here, something passed by here. Now, that's... I know it sounds weird, but I I could see that there being a really rudimentary connection being made in the the mind of a wild cat.
2: Well, there's... I don't know if
0: that's true or not.
1: I mean, judging by my own cat's behavior, he wouldn't be able to pick up on that.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah. He um, hasn't had to. Again, we go to pattern recognition and anthropomorphization. This happens with people and animals. Mm. We try to apply our own thought process to something that doesn't happen.
0: Right. Well, the, the part of the problem is we don't know... What they're we, thinking. Right. We can't sufficiently... Uh, we can't sufficiently map out how their brains are operating, per se, <laughs> compared to ours. That That's one issue that we have. Well,
1: and... That- we can put them under, uh, what are those things called, the 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 brain scanning MRIs? Um, shit.
0: I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't remember what they're called.
1: Kirky would be able to tell us.
0: Um, It's like a... I'm not Kirky. FMRI?
1: FMRI. Yeah. Yeah, an FMRI. So putting, I don't know, a mouse brain under, with the mouse still attached, <laughs> presumably, <laughs> uh, in, in an FMRI we'd be able to track the blood flow and see what parts of its brain light up to different stimuli. Right, right. But that doesn't really tell us much. No. Because we don't know what part of the mouse's brain does what kind of thinking.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: We've been able to kind of do that with humans, because uh, someone with a, a, I don't know, a surgical cheese wedge, to reference one of your old cartoons, (laughs) You can poke that, and they'll be able to tell you, yes, I see stars now.
3: (laughs) Mm. Yeah,
0: you got that communication, that that fine-tuning of communication. Mm -hmm.
1: So, I think one of the... the the almost unique human thing is... um, I was about to say mouthy word noises, but...
0: (laughs) Complexity of communication? I mean, it seems like that's kind of where we're... Not
1: just complexity, but communication that can cover abstracts
0: yes okay abstract Mm. communication okay yeah
1: the ability to communicate communicate abstractions yes um parrots have a very 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 complex vocal language Mm.
3: Mm.
1: it all sounds the same to us because we don't listen at parrot speed right (laughs) um every parrot has its own individual name which is the combination of its parents names combined
0: I was actually thinking about this the, actually, it was yesterday. Oh. I was like, you know, right now people kind of take memes for granted. They really do. Yeah. Because when you really think about it, the ability to understand a meme is unbelievably complex. That is an unbelievably complex act- activity because, you know, what a meme is, is it's taking something completely out of context from something else that has meaning, specifically it is entirely meaning-based. Mm-hmm. Moving it to a completely different idea and applying that same exact information abstractly so that it matches up. It's a visual metaphor.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah.
0: I think we've all talked about you know the Star Trek reference, you know, the, the characters, you know, Timba his arms wide. Those mm-hmm. are people that think in memes. They communicate strictly
2: in memes. what was out peanut butter jelly time? porn. That's a bit too complex for me. (laughs) Well, speaking entirely in memes. (laughs) (laughs) Could you say that again slower for the audience? Popo's out, peanut butter jelly time. Horse porn.
0: (laughs) It's senseless. It's the inflection. It's the inflection is what it is. That's what makes it funny.
1: Because it the, seems the, to have meaning. The ebb and flow of the, <laughs> This is the pattern recognition yeah, that humans are famous yeah, for. Yeah. Finding meaning in this. Because I was about to go down a rabbit hole trying to decipher that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so uh, well, I'm thinking, yeah,
0: we're almost at about 30, we're up 27 minutes or so. Why don't we go ahead and do a... Uh,
2: we'll do a break, yeah. We'll do
0: a break. We're going to have a, a few words from our sponsors. Probably only one, maybe yeah. two words.
2: Our producer came down here and it looks like he wants a word.
0: Yep. Meow for me. Thank you.
2: Hey, you got kids?
0: Rambunctious tykes run around screaming, make you want to give them the shiv? Well, you ain't got to do that. Bring them on down to Romeo Possum's Totally Legitimate Pizza and Child Casino. We got pizza and games and them bright-colored tubes. You know, all that kiddie crap. At Romeo Possum's Totally Legitimate Pizza and Child Casino, you can let the tots tire themselves out and scream all up in them tubes there till they pass out or whatever. And we even offer a daycare service, where your kids will learn how to hold down the real job cutting uh, powdered sugar for them cupcakes at the concessions. Come on down to Romeo Possum's totally legitimate pizza and chow casino. Romeo Possum. We care about them little bastards. All right, and we're back. Uh, it appears Nick has a um, a comment to make on where we came from and where we might go from here.
2: Well, um I believe we go a we'll little go go back a little bit to the Horribly lacking, Merriam-Webster definition of humanity, which is human. Well, human, you know, bipedal, the primate, primate mammal. Primate mammal, but you can't exactly have a primate that's not a mammal, can you? Yeah, I was just thinking about you that. You can't exactly have a. I haven't seen a primate. Mm. Fucking monitor lizard. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I've seen a, a
1: a non-mammal primate. No. So if anything, we could actually drop one off of Zmeria, We're not we're not doing this thing any favors. <laughs> no, it's not not doing
2: us any favors. Some it's not god des-
0: dang monkey porpoises.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not even it, it's not descriptive enough and it's also way too descriptive because it just kind of says something that doesn't need to be there. But the point I was going into is um so let's say you take these mental or these mental aspects of a human but apply it to a creature that does not have that 100% DNA thing. Okay.
0: Are we assuming that it can handle that? Yes. Elaborate. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yep.
2: Well, this actually goes back to one of my uh, one of the points that got me into uh, transhumanism as a concept, which is if you take a human being and replace his leg with a prosthetic, is he still human? Merriam-Webster says no, because it's not his real leg. But no. Does he? Is he bipedal? Okay, yes, he's bipedal.
0: He is still technically bipedal, so that so, still works.
2: And let's say it's a tank tread instead.
0: Okay, there we go.
2: You replace his
1: legs with tank treads.
2: Yes. Yep. Is he still human? Not according to the Merriam-Webster De- definition. But he still has same human DNA, and he still has the cognitive abilities thereof that separate us from other animals. Correct?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And let's just keep replacing things your place is uh, organs. Still human? Your place is skin. His bones. His eyes. His teeth, his hair, all that. No longer made out of human tissue. Machinery. Something genetically engineered that's not entirely human. What the happens creature
0: we- formerly known as Theseus?
2: Yes. yes, it's the ship of Theseus. <laughs> the, but, yeah. the cyborg of Theseus. Yes. Yeah, the cyborg of Theseus. At what point does a human stop being human with the prosthetics thereof? He can still do the same thing. He at least functionally would have the same human mind and the same human abilities possibly even more
0: well that's not entirely true if he has tank treads for feet he cannot walk the same way a human walks
2: that's true but you can still go upstairs if you've seen some of the tank treads i've seen
0: depends on the tank treads but yes
2: <laughs> if he wants so to now your... we're getting
0: into the, we're getting into, <laughs> we're getting into the dirt here like into the into the rough
2: hmm.
0: well because... I, I,
1: I think he, he's got a good point um when you think about a human it's for the most part, you you know one when you see one. Yeah. That, yeah, it's like porn. <clears throat> you know it when you see it. Yeah. yeah,
0: I don't. I don't know. I can't really define porn, but I know it when I see
1: it. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's not porn. It's HBO. A particularly <laughs> a particularly
2: lovely picture of a steak can be considered porn to some people.
0: <laughs> uh, food food uh, boards uh, a thing. Food boards uh, a thing.
1: Yeah. Well. I that, guess. So, I that's suppose... That's what the is for,
3: I
0: guess. Ta- we'll,
1: we'll do this in reverse. You know, start with the, you know it when you see it human, and then start taking things away. I think that, okay. that's a, a different way of going about yeah. it, but you're, you should come to the same place.
0: Right. Okay. So, let's do this. You have a human being. What is the first thing you would take away if you wanted to no longer call it a human being?
2: I would take away the brain. Yeah, I would take away its
1: brain.
0: Just the whole brain?
1: Well... Yeah. I, I mean just to start start there if I really wanted to it depends on what I want to do with this this oh. human being. If I'm if I'm planning on eating it I know that's a weird place to go. But if I All right. All if, right. I, if I'm planning on eating this this human being, one, I hope they're grown in a lab so I'm not killing anyone's son or daughter for my own consumption. Two I would take away the the, the the neocortex that that little three millimeter layer thick um, three millimeter thick layer around the outside of the brain
2: that does all the higher cognition because the uh, brain evolved from the inside out yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and really all I would leave is the limbic system to keep the system the the body going to grow the meat that I'm going to eat okay. The ethical way of doing it. Well. It would taste like human, I suppose.
0: Let me ask you this. (laughs) Um, Is it okay if I use your dad as an example here? Sure. I could use your mom, but uh, your dad is a little bit more poignant. Um, Let's say, you know, if the audience isn't aware of this, Garrett and Nick's father passed away several years ago. Um, So here's my question for Mm -hmm. you. If your father had been brain dead, right, Mm -hmm. before he died, let's say about an hour before he died, let's say he, he had gone brain dead. Mm-hmm. functionally the brain was yeah, not
2: there. Toast.
0: Would you cease to mourn him as he lay there, brain dead?
2: No, I would okay,
0: not. So, but, okay, now we'll go, we'll go the one step further than that. Would you consider him no longer human at that point?
2: I would, well, I would not consider him my father anymore. He's, that's just the shell. That's the wrapper. Okay. Where's the meat? Yeah. Um... Is it really a Snickers if there isn't a Snickers sn- so in the we, wrapper? So we we had to we had to pull the plug. <clears throat>
1: right,
2: him. right. So yeah. um, that
1: was that was the thing that I wrestled with quite a bit. Was um, does he have brain damage? Because if if he had brain damage, then that's it's not my dad anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. really, all I'm doing him is kind of a favor. And maybe I'm just rationalizing on that. Right. Mm, Yeah. But, yeah, it makes it a lot... I I suppose the reason I went towards the cannibalism example is it's a lot easier to kill something that you know can't think and feel.
0: Right, right.
2: Mm. It does bring up the issue of eating parrots. So I think... An octopus.
0: Well, essentially what we're getting at is that... um, The thing that is human, the thing that you mourn when it's gone, is not the body. Uh, No. It's not what's left. There's something, and it's not even just the brain itself. It's what the brain...
2: Does. Yeah, Yeah, it's
0: the... It's what the brain does. Yeah.
2: You're mourning doom being run on the most expensive, or the most amazing computer being run.
0: Okay, so here's my proposition in regards to this question. What is human is an emergent property.
3: Hmm.
0: That is my proposition on what human is. It's not all the things that make a human you know, I will say ostensibly a human just because ha <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> but it's not all the, the things it's not any individual thing and it's not even all those things put together it's it's the thing that comes out of that
2: mm. yeah okay I, I think that fits with the, the point I was initially making because if you assemble. All those mechanical pieces that you know I mentioned replacing that person as a prosthetic. What you come out with might not be a person with human thoughts mm. because they never were human to start with.
1: Mm. Well, there's
0: something to be said about how much okay, of the human experience is required to, to 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 manifest a human.
1: I keep coming back to the brain, though. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to that. I'd say it it is in. It is an emergent phenomenon from the interaction of all the neurons. Because the hundred billion, I think, creating a hundred trillion different connections. Because if, if you take, it's not just, it's all up here. Everything below that point, you can swap out and replace. And I would still think of you as human. Mm-hmm. Um
0: a ghost in the shell is still a human.
1: Well, a, a traditional ghost in the shell, I would is is a person, not necessarily human. <laughs>
0: okay, that's an interesting distinction to make. Because when mm. I think ghost in the shell, maybe I'm thinking of the maybe I'm thinking of this incorrectly. But when I think ghost in the shell, I think human consciousness in some, usually some kind of mechanical or computer um, body, or for lack of better words, body, some some sort of container. That isn't the container isn't necessarily human, but the consciousness within it is human or recognizable as human.
1: That is not a a a classical Ghost in the Shell. Okay. You're you're coming you're coming out of this from the famous anime movie.
0: Okay. Well, maybe that's Um, a classical Ghost in the Shell
1: is you you create a computer system so complex that emergent properties come out of it, emergent consciousness. That you didn't plan on. Oh,
3: okay. That,
1: um, so you have a sapient, sentient thing that comes out of a system. And is in, because of how it is, it's kind of tied to that system. Hmm.
0: Okay, so a ghost in the shell traditionally would be an unintended, um, true artificial intelligence.
2: Hmm. Animus ex machina, more yeah. or less, yes.
0: Animus ex machina. Yes. Okay, okay. So soul, it's, al- it's almost co- it's almost the opposite of what I thought it, what I considered mm-hmm. it was from yeah. the anime perspective.
1: Yeah, a, a true ghost in the shell is not an intentional phenomenon. Okay. You, you design <clears> a system <throat> to do one thing and then it it does something right. well. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll do the thing that you want it to.
0: Agency emerges.
1: But yes, an individual agency, <clears throat> sapience and sentience comes out of it. Oh, okay. Would Skynet be so, an example? Yeah. yeah. Skynet would be a ghost in the shell. That's an oh. asshole. Well, well mm, no, that's depends on which timeline you're coming from. <laughs> and that's also true, an, almost true. that's a,
0: that's borderline an entirely different podcast.
1: Yeah. In fact, I think we have We could probably do like 3 3 podcasts <laughs> yeah. going over the ethics of Arden No, the,
2: just the timeline <laughs> oh. of Terminator. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, <laughs> if that means we end up talking about <laughs> Dark Fate or Genesis, I think we'd rather just shelve it because that's just <laughs> Genesis wasn't as bad as everyone said it was. At it the, had good things about it, but
0: that literally—that is so like there's a derail there.
1: Yeah, there. there a really significant is. one. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about.
0: <laughs> we'll do. see. We did the Demolition Man episode. We'll talk maybe, about the philosophy we'll do, of
1: Terminator. Yeah. Um.
0: We'll, we'll some other, other time. Add that. Add that to I will list. add
1: that to the list right now. Because <laughs> hmm. uh, that could be fun.
0: I'm excited to get the Demolition Man one up. I just haven't done it yet. We need to record more ads for it so I can get that. Okay. That bitch put together.
1: But back to human. Yes. Well, before do. I do have one gripe. I was listening to some of the previous podcasts today, and when you said, we'll take it out and post, you didn't.
3: Oh, yeah,
0: see, I, that's true. I didn't. Okay. Okay, I never take anything out and post, because it means i got to listen to the whole thing while I'm editing, and I don't have time for that shit, man. <laughs> I'll fix the beginning, I'll fix the end, I'll fix right where the ads are, that's it.
2: That's the quality we're dealing with, son. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm the editor, blame me. Hmm.
2: <laughs> Well, the producer certainly does.
0: Damn cat. Okay, so. All right, so we what the emergent properties. Yes.
2: Properties. Um,
1: so. That that is a question that I've I've been. Interested in, and I don't know if anyone could actually answer it. Is. Did the brain develop, as it did as we evolved because we started to become more human? Or did we become more human because the brain developed the way it did? Okay. I, I know that's, that's a clunky way of explaining what I'm going at, but...
2: I think we'd have to start... Don't have time to write a long letter. Or write a short letter.
3: Yeah.
2: I think we'd have to start doing some very serious exploration into the other hominids. I mean, we have to at least find some way of getting a Neanderthal or Cro-Magnon, like, brain running to figure out what exactly is going on in there and what happens when you hook it up to a body and, you know, try to raise it. Because there could be substantial differences. I've actually seen a theory that the reason we have an uncanny valley response to things that are close to human, but not quite, why it creeps us out could be a leftover from having to deal with other hominids. Possible. Hmm. But we boned him. Strong. yeah, but consider Splice. the thi- <laughs> Well consider the things that people will bone. there's an inti- the, the list of things people have put up their butt is long and
1: horrifying. I think we're on average like one to four percent Neanderthal.
2: Yeah, uh, that's where people get uh, red hair from <sighs> And apparently where uh, Ozzy Osbourne gets his amazing chemical tolerances from. <laughs> really he has more than the average. So that, that's not apparently. That's allegedly.
0: <laughs> allegedly.
2: Ah, uh, we we'll need to get him into a, into a genome, a genome scan. Of course, that means we have to get the nets and the trank guns. But <laughs> <laughs> shut up! There's a, so there's a dot on my side, and I don't remember putting it there myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how well the recording picks that up.
1: Oh man! You got to shoot him like four or five times with a crank gun to even get him to slow down.
0: once more over here.
2: <laughs> but uh, well, that also brings up: um, Would you consider well, CroMagnons and uh, uh, Neanderthals human? They're the same family. I mean, we're all hominids, but are we really? Are they really humans? Again.
0: Hmm, yes. okay.
2: I would definitively say yes.
0: Oh, wow, okay, that's
2: strong. Well, uh, yes, yes it is. I, I would say it's the close enough that would be considered like a different breed of dog as opposed to a difference between dogs and wolves.
0: What's your reasoning, Garrett?
2: Um. What
1: little cultural artifacts we've been able to find it shows that they did have abstract communication capability. Mm. Um... Particularly, like Neanderthals, they had musical instruments. um, Obviously, there wasn't writing anywhere, but Mm -hmm. um, you'd find artifacts that are several or like a hundred miles or so distant, and separated in time by about eighty years, according to the to the testing. But had um, very similar, if not identical. Trades things like uh, fertility idols or what we believe are fertility idols. Mm. So, in order to for that kind of idea to spread, to be able to describe that across eighty years—that's two generations, more or less, mm. m- probably more back then—and across that amount of uh, distance, you have to be able to communicate that kind of abstraction.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: If if nothing less than look what I made, copy it. Right, but. So i would consider neanderthals yes human homo sapien or as i like to say h sap sap no but human mm. uh Den- denisovans i believe is what
2: they were called yeah i think so
1: um kind of middle asia yeah. is where they yeah. they were from i don't know or i have not found as much about them but they make up even more of our genome than mm. neanderthals do yeah. And we, we've sent, we find, I believe, similar things.
2: Abstract thought, complex language.
1: So, yeah, from that perspective, I don't know what talking with one of them would be like mm-hmm. if, if we even could necessarily talk. but
0: I feel like, I feel like if, if we were able to do something like that, we would probably emotionally connect to them as a sister species and not necessarily human.
2: You know what I mean? Ah, like how you can connect with a chimpanzee.
0: More complex than that, more but complex, yeah. but yeah, yeah, you can yeah.
2: still make that connection. Okay,
0: that I would. That's where I would imagine we would go with that. Like we would value their lives more than something like a chimp, more than likely, just out of habit. But not as much. But as... But you wouldn't
1: value them as much as another right, human, right? Hmm. Just as you wouldn't value a, a random human as much as you would from someone of your tribe, right. for lack of a better term. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd like to say that I would value a. Neanderthal just as much as I would ate sap sap but
2: mm-hmm. I've never met one. <laughs> yeah, you probably have to get to know them. You know, maybe share a shank of mammoth.
0: That is a bonding experience.
2: Yeah, it is. It's
1: I remember my first shank of mammoth. If you, if you watch Primal, that, that, that yeah, doesn't work. Yeah, I matter. remember
0: the first time I shagged
1: a mammoth. <laughs> oh. That got dark real quick. <laughs> How do you even please an animal like that?
2: It's all in the wrist
0: (laughs) Oh, that's better than than Where I was going Uh, Okay, I need to pause so I don't choke on my drink
2: Again, inflection Uh. But, um uh, Yeah Um, Right, so Hmm. Okay, but um, well, another uh, another question is uh, so you moved on from taking away the things that make someone human. We we decided that that was we not take away well, brain. we
0: didn't do well, much on that. Garrett said brain, and we explored that space. Yeah. Is there
2: anything else? Well, the thing is that also raises the idea of um, simulating a human,
3: mm-hmm.
2: specifically if you if you get all those human traits. If you get all those all the things that make a human in terms of our cognitive ability, all that, but you just keep it as a program being run on a machine, or put it into a body that isn't human shaped, and it was never truly born as a human. What do you consider it human? It has the same psychology, but not
0: I would have to experience I would have to experience the creature. Hmm. I would in order for me to consider something human I would have to be able to experience them on 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 the level of their experience. I would ha- I would have to mm. be able to spend time around them. I would it would be entirely intuitive.
2: Mm.
1: It would be you basically intuitive. have to do a Turing test.
2: Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that that's where, that's where I was going. The uh, is a replicant from Blade Runner. How human are they? Because I mean think about it. By the end of it the uh, Roy Batty understood the frailty of hu- or frailty of life and, you know, what it is to be human more than Decker did.
0: Mm. Well, see, and even then, by the end of Blade Runner, when it came to the replicants, I looked at them as... Oh, God, I shouldn't use that phrase. <laughs> I was going to say separate but equal, but that is a horrible, horrible way to frame that. Um, mm. A different species that is equally valuable...
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I mean that when I say equally, I mean equally.
3: Mm-hmm. Like
0: I don't, I, w- I still wouldn't consider a replicant human, but I would consider whatever they are to be equally valuable as
1: humans. Partly because they look just like us, Replicants. right?
0: Well, well, like an alien that mm-hmm. has the same level of, uh, of intelligence, yeah. I would feel the same way. It's like you're well, you're not human, but you have the capacity for know. all the same things that humans are capable of, maybe I, more. I,
1: I think you'd run across the same same issue of you not. Treating a a or considering a a Neanderthal um on par with with the human as far as uh, value that is what you were saying earlier right Hmm. yeah
2: sister species
0: yeah but we're dealing with something a little bit different it would be a sister species but there's a complexity to like a replicant has the same level of complexity as a human theoretically maybe more complex
2: it's a child species
0: right. It is well, the Neanderthal would our, be something more like... Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you meant it, by child species. Yes, okay. a
2: replicant is our creation. We created it. However, we also created it for purpose. It is not there for its own will. And once we get into the stuff like programming memories to have to simulate that emergent,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that emergent consciousness that makes a human, that's a very interesting question to ask. Yeah. That. I'm not trying to turn this I,
1: into a... I, you said, you know, emergent consciousness yeah. specifically in replicants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can... We'll, we'll continue using replicants, but what we mean is an artificial mind. Yeah. Right. With a human psychology. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I was about to say, well, is it programmed, really? Well, no, at least in Blade Runner, no. No, that is that is emergent.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. They designed it to do one thing, but it's... Doing other things, yeah, yeah, and it can still do those original things.
2: So, well, let's we go back to the Ghost Machine, yeah, yeah. It's not what they expected. It's not what they wanted. Certainly, when it decides, "Hey, I'm gonna shove somebody's hand into a vat of nitro or well, liquid nitrogen."
0: Well, and we're and we're hitting on a different a different issue here, which is okay. We're trying to figure out what makes a human human, but at the same time, right now, we're actually exploring the space of okay. Well, if it can do all the same things a human can do, maybe it's not human, but we'll we can still value it at the same level as a human,
1: yeah, it goes off of what I was saying
0: uh, yeah. earlier
1: hmm. it would be a person, not necessarily a human, yeah hmm. yeah yeah
0: yeah now let's let's have a little um check mark on the back of our minds here about maybe having another episode about what it means to be a person, because I don't want to go off on that tangent right now, because that's a total... That It's weird, but that's, a pretty, mm-hmm. that's kind of a totally different topic. Um, right now we're talking about what makes a human human, not what mm-hmm. makes a person oh, a person. Oh,
2: oh, sorry sorry, to drag
1: us in that direction, then.
0: Oh, no, no, you're fine. It's in, oh, a very interesting way to go. Yeah, personhood. Okay.
1: What defines personhood?
0: <laughs> in fact, maybe we'll... I don't know if we'll want to do it, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to have this be the next episode so that there's that immediate connection well, cardinal- to it.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, we'll think about it. I'm thinking of what you're putting down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll step back away from that particular topic of maybe it's not human, but we can value it the same. Let's, we'll move back away from that. and let's, I, I think it's a good idea to move back to the idea of what would we take away if we wanted to remove the humanity. The thing that makes it human. Mm. And I think we've I think up to this point we've established that the body, the physical form, isn't really all that necessary. Yeah. So we're down to uh fundamentally at minimum the brain and what the human brain can do. Mm-hmm. But we can also have a human being with a human brain that doesn't function as well as I guess maybe we'll say the average human brain does. Yeah. You know, you have and for lack of better words, as well. We'll say it doesn't function the same as the average human. Maybe that's a more fair way to say hmm. it. Because we can talk about how we still have... the Many people have the exact same level of connection and empathy to a certain extent... Um, and care for, you know, a child who has Down syndrome, something mm-hmm. like that. And we know that their brains don't function the same way that the average human brain does. Right. Mm. right. Depending on who you're talking to, they'll, they'll consider it a dysfunction. And I, that's not an unreasonable way to think about it because it, it makes it difficult. Like people with Down syndrome have a, a somewhat of a more difficult time experiencing life, engaging in life. Um,
1: Engaging that's, in society. Right.
0: That's, that's, a, that's a good spe- specification. They can engaging still engage in, in so- life. It's right. Engaging, engaging in society at the same level of complexity as the average person. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so that's, that's one way to go with this. So digging deeper than just the body and the brain, there's still something there. Hmm.
1: Uh, well, I'd like to kind of go on an offshoot okay. from the... Because uh, with, with Down syndrome... I know there are there are other causes, but kind of what you're talking about there is a difference that they can't engage in society, and we still feel empathy, and they presumably yeah. still feel empathy towards other things. We
0: still value them as a human right, life, obviously.
1: Um, kind of piggybacking off that one, I'd kind of like to explore psychopaths a little bit. Right, where
2: I was going to go. Um i read a whole book on
1: this. Woo. Well,
2: um, <laughs> I think if we're going to talk about psychopaths, we also have to deal with soci- or sociopaths. They're different disorders, but they still have huge effects on the ability to feel empathy and engage in society.
0: Okay, well, let's... Uh, hang on a sec.
2: We're I about 27 might... minutes. We'll take another break because
0: we're right at that point, and then this is a good place to jump back into that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about psychopaths first, and then we'll 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 segue into socio, sociopathy. Okay, cool. All right, and now a word from our sponsors. This episode brought to you by Skangus's best single malt toothpaste.
1: Are the DTs hitting early? Try our three premium flavors: Crestwalker, Arm and Hammered, and Rembrandt. Skangus's best single malt toothpaste. Continue the bender. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed that message from our sponsors. So, earlier we talked about um, certain cognitive differences between people that we we still empathize towards as human, and there, there's I believe there's kind of an inverse of that, where there are certain cognitive traits or thought processes that even though they, in other, all other respects, are human, um, we don't respect, or value as human. Particularly psychopathy and sociopathy. Psychopaths and sociopaths. Hmm. Um, Dave recently read a book all about psychopaths. and
0: The Wisdom Thereof.
1: The Wisdom of Psychopaths was the name of the book, yes. I believe. Yes. Hmm. So what separates a psychopath from a sociopath? I, I'm not really quite sure... On the distinction there. I know there is a distinction, but...
0: As far as I know, I mean, Nick, you might have more to say on this. I haven't read, I don't know nearly as much about sociopathy as psychopathy. And I don't Mm. know a lot about psychopathy, but the difference to me seems to be um, social behavior. uh, Psychopaths Mm. tend to be actually fairly social creatures. Um, Mm. Sociopaths tend to be particularly antisocial.
2: Uh, Yes. Sociopathy is more defined by a lack of ability to form connections with other people. It's, uh, it could be described as, like I said, difficulty connecting with other people on any way. A functioning sociopath can do it, but it's less by intuition and more by observation. They mimic human connection.
3: Mm.
2: I'm not that well-versed on it, I just know one when I've had to encounter them.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. It's usually... Something uncanny about it? Part of it is a usually a lack of empathy as well. But that's also something that can come with... uh,
0: That's prevalent in psychopathy as well.
2: Yes, but uh, it has different roots. Mm. This is more just... It's not there to start with, whereas a psychopath can be start, but also lose it. And more... In some cases, it's because their narcissistic rage overpowers any and all ability to feel it.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's been an argument that's actually made in that book that I was talking about where it's not necessarily... It's very near the end of the book as well. It's not necessarily that psychopaths always feel no empathy. There's actually an argument that they actually have to feel empathy in order to get excitement out of doing some of the things some of the horrible things that they do to people you know, so. a sexual psychopath in order to in order to get joy out of the harm they're doing to whoever their victim is they have to there's a connection that they make an empathetic connection where they're understanding what that person is going through and mm. unlike normal people who are disgusted by it the psychopath is actually excited by it so there's still a, a some form of empathy mm. Happening. It's just that the wires are kind of crossed.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh, it, what you said reminded me of um, Dr. Peterson's um, interpretation of the, the Garden of Eden story. If you've listened to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I have not. Well, uh, very much breaking it down and. <laughs> Probably missing the point entirely. Breaking it down like a roast in a slow cooker for two days. Sure. Yeah, this will just be... Scratch that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they, Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's the tree knowledge. of the knowledge of good and evil. That is a very important distinction Okay.
1: To make. The, the, they ate of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... And they realized they were naked, which um, allegorically is a way of saying they realized they were vulnerable. And you, in order to know, be capable of evil to someone, you have to know exactly how to hurt them, which means the intuitive jump is you have to know that you are vulnerable and then be able to exploit the same vulnerabilities in someone else.
0: Yeah, the, the idea that Peterson brings up is once you know what can hurt you.
1: You know it can hurt others.
2: Right.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So we, we we recognize that as evil because you shouldn't be doing that. It's not a good way to build any kind of long-lasting relationship or build a society based on that. So we, we, we decide that's evil. I guess psychopaths don't care. They just get excited.
0: Some of them. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> it's not. It's it's not one of those all psychopaths get you know, sexually excited by. I didn't say, torturing. Uh,
1: I didn't say sexually necessarily.
0: Right. Well, that that was the context of that particular. Mm. Right. I don't know how that context carries over to other situations, but that was the context of the comment in the book.
2: Okay. There are different kinds of psychopaths, as yes, there are different kinds of uh, uh, sociopaths and mm. personality group disorders. Mm. Uh, an excellent example is uh, antisocial, narcissistic, and borderline personality disorders. Mm -hmm. These are all cluster Bs, and they all stem from a common source, which is a very low self-image. A lot of it starts when you're a child, and just never really get, you get stuck in a developmental phase, and you never really progress past it. Hmm. In a way, that's kind of preventing some of the emergent features of a full-on human, right? You're stuck as a... Partially formed human consciousness.
0: Well, I feel like you get that in extremely varying degrees among a lot of people. I mean, my experience, and this is the cynic in me coming out. My experience is that, uh, um, whew, I'm going to say this and probably get lambasted for it later. Um, my experience has been that many, many, many people socially stop developing around sometime in high school. Maybe pushing into college. Mm-hmm but a lot of people get very, very caught up in the social structure of high school and they carry it into their professional world. Mm. I, I've I experienced that to the degree that I would say it's possible that the average human being falls into that category. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I may be wrong about that. That's just been my experience. I'm not
1: going
2: to disagree with that. Actually, that, that reminds me of something... Uh that was gleaned from Jeffrey Dahmer, Mm. one of the more famous psychopaths, that he believed that the best time of his life was when he was in high school.
3: Mm.
2: See, I think a lot of people feel that way. Well... The
0: structure of things... (laughs) I think the reason for that is that you get the complexity of a particular type of structure without without the confusion. Now, there's some confusion there... But the confusion isn't necessarily with the structure itself. The confusion is with where you you are in it. Where you You are are. in it,
3: yeah.
2: Hmm. Well, uh, again, he's not exactly the best example to use as a (laughs) regular human mind.
0: No, 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 no. Great example to use as a psychopath, though.
2: Yeah, excellent one. Um, However, there's there's theorized there's also a physical component to psych or psychopathy. Which is usually a thinning of the amygdala, Mm. which is the part of the brain that handles fear.
0: Rage and fear, yeah. Yeah.
2: And, um, well, that's the point. This is all news to me. If you don't really have, like, a sense of fear, what do you have to fear from consequences?
0: That's a big part of psychopathy, is the lack of a sense of fear.
2: Uh, What was it? Uh, Fearless domination, uh, charisma, and Machiavellianism? That's the, uh... Yeah, there's... Dark triad? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to human, what is, what do, does this thinning of the amygdala and removal of some very important human features, are they still human if their mind allows, or if this allows them to be behave in such a fashion?
0: Well, here's my question. My, my sense of things is that if we can feel empathy for them as a human. Then we can say that meaningfully that is something we would consider human because we behave as if they are. Hmm. That's the distinction. If in humanity, if if humanism, or human, I don't really know what word proper, because humanity doesn't feel like the proper word to use. But whatever it is that makes them human, if that is an emergent property, then it's it's about how we interact with that emergent property, and if we feel empathy for that creature as. If it were a human, then we look at it as human. <clears throat> same thing with the ship of Theseus. We were talking mm-hmm. about the exact same thing with that. Mm-hmm. It's not that the ship of Theseus on its own is the ship of Theseus. We apply that to it.
3: Mm-hmm. So I think
0: it's the same thing with being human. It's like we apply humanity to creatures that we feel
1: mm-hmm.
0: we feel are human.
1: Well, that, that humanity can also be stripped away. Mm. Mm-hmm. That, and and how we interact with them um, by doing certain acts, you can lose your 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 humanity. And in this case, I'm going to use personhood. Um, a very very basic example of that is um, any kind of self defense shooting situation. Um, by by taking an act that puts someone in imminent danger, you you lose that empathic. Restriction to—I—I'd say you—you you lose the empathic restriction against harming them.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, here, what <laughs> you're talking about that the way the way I'm kind of thinking about that is, I don't know if this is the way that you feel, but in a situation like that, to me, it's—it's it's, no, you didn't lose your hu- status as a human. You lost your status as a valuable human. You lost your status as a human that has something to offer that is more valuable than the detriment that you carry. Or that you bring, the poison that you bring to, the, to, no. to humanity.
1: No, I, I, I think it. I think that you do lose the status of human at that Absolutely. point. Um, maybe not to everybody.
0: Because somebody's still going to feel empathy for that person.
1: Someone will, yes. More
0: than likely their, their, mm. their mother. I mean, that's usually the first person you think of. Right, if well, or whatever, you're, you're you know. going to
1: talk about that, that strong of an empathic connection there. Right, right. Um, that, that is exceedingly hard to break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Assuming the mother isn't um, a psychopath or a sociopath. Yeah. Um
0: and then you run into the problem of who gets to determine right. whether you've lost humanity or not.
1: Well, um and, and the reason I'd go so far as to say you lose your status as human is uh, I'm I'm trying to think of how to phrase this.
0: You're building a system and that's where you're gonna get into trouble,
1: I think. Mm. Well, you you end up in when you go through you know combat training. Mm, one one of the things that, it's not explicitly done. It's like not today we're going to learn how to dehumanize the people you're shooting at. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's not the way things go. But you do start to the, the concept of in- introducing them, they're not referred to as the other people. They're mm. referred to as the enemy. They're right. referred to as targets. Mm. Um, think about the very concept of a high value target. They're not high value person. Mm they are a target. They are something to be taken out. They are something to be captured. They are a resource.
0: Well, maybe there's a bit of psychopathy in me then.
2: Um, um, uh,
0: because I can still view somebody as a human being, but also view them as this is a dangerous, harmful human being and it would be better if they no longer existed. I can make that connection.
2: um, Uh, one thing I think should be brought up is the ability to reciprocate that empathy. Mm. Like, if you can feel for someone, that doesn't guarantee they can feel for you. I mean, and loss of personhood, consider that you can train people to not view others as people. Yeah. Yeah. Not view them as human. I mean, it happens all of the, all of it, all the time. It happens with the kulaks. It happens with any regime that decides to educate people.
0: And the fact that you have to... The, 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 you yeah, have you have to, to strip it to begin with. You, you have to do that. You have to go through that process to begin with. Yeah, and... There, shows how and strong you, that connection is.
1: There, There is a very important reason that that is done. The... Uh, dehumanization of another human being and it is psychologically damaging mm. to do that to to put someone through that process um, I, I think that's one of the one one of the things that that hurts servicemen coming back you know they, they go and they do what needs to be done I'm not gonna say that right wrong or indifferent um, in that situation they had to do what they did yeah. But carrying that, you know, just taking out the trash kind of concept, mm-hmm. uh, at least in my case, it, it eats at you. They've cut wires that shouldn't have been cut. You, I needed to learn to mourn over that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that that was part of my own personal development. But there, there is a very good reason why that is done. Mm-hmm. That, that, that imprinting of target, not person. Mm-hmm. Is you can't afford to <clears throat> hesitate. Right. Hmm. And you, you have to be able to act in that moment. You have to be able to act not just in that moment, but later on until you are in an, a safe place where you can then <clears throat>
0: process. process
1: and um, mourn.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's not a war. And, and not just mourn, that, mourn the person that you lost. You're, you're no longer that person. Anyone who says you go to war, come back, and are unchanged... Is a fool.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um,
2: going back to psycho- or psychopathy and sociopathy, they, they don't go through that process because they don't really have to. Those barriers aren't there to be cut. They don't have to go through that.
3: Mm. Uh,
2: it's been said that that's one of the reasons that, well, yes, you have people like Jeffrey Dahmer, you have your John Wayne Gacy's, your mm-hmm. Ed Dean's, those fellas. You also have firefighters, race car drivers.
0: That's a really big point that the wisdom of psychopaths makes. uh, That's the whole point of the book.
2: Part of the thing is that lacking that fear, lacking some of that (laughs) connection, that those dark traits can be turned into a positive thing. That is
0: literally the point of the entire book. Well, I thought
2: the wisdom of of psychopaths was... Sounds like building up up, uh, Jung's The Shadow. Well... I thought the wisdom of a psychopath was knowing he can roast a human buttocks, but not to serve it at Sunday, Sunday
3: game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's that. Yeah, so there's, there's one particular, I can't say it's a particular line because I can't remember the line exactly, but the one particular idea I remember them explicitly exploring at one specific time in the book that was just like, this is the thesis of the whole book, was the idea
3: that... Hmm,
0: I'm trying to rem- I, I something to useful to be gleaned here. Trying to get try to get this right. Yeah, so there is something useful about the lack a certain amount of of a lack of empathy. Because mm-hmm. psych- psychopathy is not a on or off switch. It's a scale.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, it's
0: a, it's a scale. And oh, specifically there there what they talk about is, you know, a psychopath may be the guy that kills you. But it also might be the guy that's brave enough to save your life, to mm-hmm. sacrifice himself to save your life, because oh. he doesn't have the fear. Mm.
1: Oh. Well, he's not paralyzed by it right. anyway.
0: Well, oh. yeah. It, 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 a, it, a true
1: psychopath doesn't have it, but... Right. That, so there, there is a level of psychopathy that is
2: not just useful, but even admirable. Yeah and, and, admirable, a, admirable. yeah, and admirable, admirable, yeah. And that is part of the training to break that hesitance to kill the enemy. Mm. And and it's I I used the soldier example yes, because soldier that's what example, I went through.
3: But,
1: but it yeah. fits. But as and you brought up a firefighter, and um, why it's so
2: damaging? You kind of something has to be tweaked and broken a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, in in the case of a well, I don't know if I was that normal functioning of a human being prior, but who's to say what normal is anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you you go through a process of. i Sci- I'm trying to figure out a way of forging psychopath into one word psychosurgery <laughs> I it's not that precise psychocrafting <laughs> psychocrafting there we go um that at least going going through the infantry you you kind of need to do that if you were a good, normal, honest human being, okay, maybe not good, but right <laughs> normal and socially engaging human being
0: of average morality at least. <laughs> they found I had so, a certain moral flexibility.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it, it 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 can create those admirable traits even, mm-hmm. but you you have to engage in creating a psychopath on some level. Right. Just not going too far <laughs> to to keep a society functioning. Right. Or a, a civilization yeah. functioning.
0: See, I, I as far as not going too far, I would argue I think it's a reasonable argument although I'm no expert on this that you can't really go too far unless the human is primed for that to begin with that particular human. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't think you can you can I don't think you can really truly turn a non-psychopathic human, a naturally non-psychopathic human into a full psychopath. I think there's too much basic underlying inherent natural brain chemistry involved. I think you can get a, a a for lack of better words, average human being, to to, and uh, manifest psychopathic actions.
2: Mm, terrible. But thing. that's not
0: the same thing.
1: Hmm. Okay, so you're. Um,
0: you can put a normal person into a situation where they would they would perform actions that uh, could be considered psychopathic, but that has that that doesn't. There's not a connection there between what they're doing given the context and the pressure hmm. versus how their brain operates from a logical standpoint, the same way that a true psychopath's brain hmm. operates.
2: So, in this way... The whole
0: cold empathy versus hot empathy thing that we've discussed before.
2: So, in this way, you can't have the mind of Theseus.
0: Right, unless you are Theseus.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, I mean... But you
0: can, you, can, you can prime somebody to do things that Theseus would have done. Yeah. But they're not Theseus.
2: Okay. So, now you see where I'm coming, coming from with that, right? The idea that uh, yes, you can you can do all the things that Theseus was doing, but you're not Theseus, meaning you, this average normal person cannot be a true psychopath.
0: Ooh, okay, maybe we hit maybe we hit something here then. Now maybe we've gone maybe we've actually gone deeper than meaning. I don't know, <laughs> because now we're into now we're into um, <clears throat> reasoning. We're into how people reason, right? That might be deeper than meaning because I think I think people differ more in the way that they reason than they do in the application of meaning.
1: Okay. I can see your argument there.
0: Uh, so maybe what makes a person human, to some extent, is our ability to identify with how they reason. That would explain the your exploration of psychopathy and sociopathy because ostensibly they seem to be human but when you start to see how they reason you get this uncanny vibe like Mm -hmm. wait a minute something's not right here
3: Mm -hmm.
0: how many how many how many horror movies or thriller movies in particular are based on that exact thing right you build suspense because you know you have that character that seems human like your hannibal lecter type of character it's like all things being equal, this person seems human. But then you see how they reason through life, and you you start to lose that connection. Like it starts to get further and further apart. And with some with a character like Hannibal Lecter, you're actually more engaged because of that 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 uh, contrast. That gap. Yeah. Because yeah. like this is a person that seems very human, but the way that they're Thinking is inhuman. Yeah, there's something hmm. chaotic about it that, that that's engaging.
1: I wouldn't even necessarily say chaotic. Yeah, because in in the using the example yeah. of Hannibal Lecter, he, he's well, he's methodical. That's true. He's very methodical. He's very logical. Mm. Um, cold empathy.
3: <laughs>
0: it,
1: cold. it it just his 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 goal and his starting point is so different. Yeah. Yeah, from what would be considered baseline human. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, To makes him a compelling character. He's fun to watch.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. It's
0: that it's that thing. Well, maybe that maybe that's the touching the touching on chaos thing. It's like what makes Hannibal Lecter so interesting is that you have an idea of, of somewhat of the way he thinks, but not enough that you know exactly what he's going to do next.
1: Yeah. To, uh, That's he is, what he is makes a him subjective chaotic element. Right, right.
0: He's chaos. He's methodical but not but his his He methods... himself is not chaotic.
2: And how he will interact with you is Right, right. It's not how you'd perceive a human interaction.
0: He's methodical but his methods are not in line with the average human's methodical yeah, the, way of doing things.
2: The average person who who wants to make like a, a mouche bouche will not rip out someone someone's fucking liver. Right, right. Now, or, I want,
0: now I want want
2: Chianti. Well, <laughs> I with fava beans. I've never had
1: Fava Beans.
0: I've never had Fava Beans either, but I've had Chianti, and I like Chianti. And glyphosate. I've had liver.
1: I'm so not, not, a had liver, liver. Not, had not a
0: big fan of liver. I've not had Cuban liver. I'm not a big fan of liver. I have not had i am not a big fan of liver i was not for a long time growing up, but then I, it's grown on me.
2: Well, you kind of At have least to. two-thirds of it. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> have, you have to get it in the right way. But, you know, I mean, if you like if you like you, you like liver or
0: something. I like Braunschweiger when it's like... Good Braunschweiger. okay, anything other than good like choice swagger, is absolutely fucking terrible,
2: and in the subject of talking about cannibals, we end up on the deliciousness of liver,
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> okay, so okay, so that seems to be where we are where we are next. This might run a little bit longer because we just hit a milestone here, I think let me see where let me see what time we're at. We're at 24 minutes. Do we want to go ahead and take a break yeah, now we'll and, then, a break. and then do yeah. one more section? Alright, we're going to have a word from our sponsors, come back and talk about human reasoning as a uh, defining element of being human. Irish Spring. A fresh, clean scent right from the Emerald Isle. Oh, yeah, feck off with that green shite. You can of smell like a man, you mick bastard. Roll around in the bog for a spell. That'll get you the stink of a real man. Try Scottish Bog. That bar's a sickly brown. It has swamp rubbish chitting out all over it. What kind of soap is that? Soap? Okay, so we're back. Um congratulations on that latest sponsor. I think they uh, they've earned us they've earned us our keep here. So we we decided we were gonna push into uh a, a new territory. We started thinking that maybe um we could move almost beyond. The human capacity to apply meaning, and move more into the human capacity for reasoning, because that seems to be a little bit deeper. Um, because <clears throat> our uh, ability, our capacity, capacity to apply meaning seems to be a bit more um, broadly human than our ability to, uh, than the way that we, than the way that we reason. Individual like reasoning comes down to the individual. In many, many cases, right so when we're we're talking about what makes us identify with someone else as human, it doesn't really necessarily boil down to their ability to apply meaning to things because even psychopaths and sociopaths can apply the same basic passable level of meaning to things mm-hmm. But the way that they reason is different, right We talk about hot empathy and cold empathy.
1: Which you you've mentioned that three times now, and um, I think we need a, a little primer on like an the update on that. Okay, hot and cold empathy. Because we we
0: talked about this a little bit in a previous podcast, but this is another thing that came from that book, um, the wisdom of of psychopaths. So with hot empathy and cold empathy, you you have to go back to the trolley, and this is the reason I haven't really gone too deeply into it again because it's a bit of an explanation. But you have to go back to the trolley problem. My mm-hmm. right? trolley problem is you've got a trolley track, a trolley's coming down the track if it stays on that track, there's five people tied to it, it's going to kill those five people but there is a shoot-off of that track and on the shoot-off there's one person tied to the track you're standing there next to a lever if you pull the lever, it's going to d. De- uh, it's going to um, derail for lack of better words, it's going to change the track change the track um, and the trolley will only kill one person
3: mm-hmm. if you do
0: nothing, it kills five so that's the trolley problem, what do you do? most people this is the cold empathy and this is most people including psychopaths would say well you pull the lever because it's you have the ability to save five at the sacrifice of one it sucks but it's i mean if you have the option if you have to if you're forced to choose one or the other the choice is clear if you have no option if you don't have the it's option, a utilitarian it, argument yeah it's a utilitarian argument so that's that's cold empathy but there's a variation on the trolley problem, and the variation is, okay, so you've only got one track, still got five people tied to it, but, and the trolley's still coming, but you've only got one track, but there's a bridge over that track. Mm-hmm. And you're standing on that bridge, and you're standing next to a really fat guy, like just a really, really fat guy. A guy fat enough that if you push him over the edge of that bridge, and he lands on the track, it's going to derail the trolley. It'll kill the fat guy,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you'll save the five people.
1: Right. So the question then is. <laughs> Just thinking about a really fat guy <laughs> whose bone and crystal is <laughs> getting so stuffed into the trolley that the trolley's squealing in agony (laughs) being (laughs) clogged by this fat dude who's likewise screaming he's being he's being used to clog it Um, it's just it's it's such a horrible image well I can't help but laugh to avoid crying it's a literal train wreck (laughs) yeah you can't not think about it
2: well uh, my favorite variation of the train
0: well well, before we get to that hang on real quick let's let's I want to finish the explanation real quick yeah so you're standing on the bridge with the fat guy, and you have the option. You can push the fat guy. If you push the fat guy over the edge, he lands on the track. It kills him, but you saved five people. The mm-hmm. difference between these two things is in one situation, in the first situation, you're pulling a lever. You're pulling a lever so you don't have that immediate physical connection of murdering someone. Mm-hmm. You weren't the one that put those people on the tracks. Right? Right. In the second situation, you have to actively push someone over the edge. Onto the and now we're assuming you're strong enough to push this morbidly obese gastropod over the edge of this
1: bridge. Uh, well, um, actually, he's that, more stomach now than man. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> you might notice that
0: I'm dehumanizing this person. There's yeah. a reason for that.
2: <laughs> well, um,
0: well. But yeah, so you have to make the choice. This is where hot empathy and cold empathy. The difference in those take place. Mm-hmm. So for most people, that becomes a much heavier moral burden because mm-hmm. in order to save those five people, you actually have to physically murder someone, right? Mm-hmm. That becomes a problem for most people. That's where hot empathy comes in. That's what hot empathy is. It's like, oh, I don't, I can't bring myself to murder someone, so maybe I just won't do anything and let fate decide, right? And you, we all know the argument. To that. It's like, well, if you, the old Rush lyric, right? I mean, if you choose not to make
1: if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah.
0: So, that's hot empathy. Mm-hmm. The psychopath in that
1: situation says, push the fat guy. The, why, but, why is this a problem? I think that when you when you brought this up to me the first time, I was like, you, put, you push the fat guy. Yeah. There is a problem. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it's but, fundamentally the same question.
0: Yeah. That's how a psychopath yeah. thinks. Well, uh, that's, that, I mean, that that's literally how that
2: works. That, I mean, if I'm ever in a
1: situation works. where I have to push a fat guy onto some train tracks... To save, five, to save people. five people, don't get me wrong. If I if I make the connection right then and there that this could happen, I'm pushing the fat guy.
0: I can see you in an interview after that situation. Local man pushes fat guy to save five people, and I can see them being like, "Well, you know, what were you feeling in that moment?" And I can see your answer being, "I'm sorry, I wasn't the fat guy."
1: <laughs> well, no, I think I, I, I'd like to say that my answer would be. Can we not do this right now? I'm still processing what I just well, did. Uh, mm. I'm well, not. I, I don't regret it, but I need to understand why I decided to do that. Mm. Um, well, um, you still have the hot empathy,
0: but you made a decision.
1: Mm. Yeah, I. Well, um, I, I may. I would make that decision. I would feel terrible about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Maybe but, mm, so that's
1: the difference. That, <laughs> yeah. So you still um, have the hot empathy. But I wouldn't regret the decision, but I would. I would I mourn would, it. I would mourn it. Yeah. Well, um,
2: I think And I would go after the engineer who put me in this situation. <laughs> okay. So, I think my favorite variation of the trolley problem comes between, well, it's a contest between two. It is, there's is only one track, the five people. They're, they'll get hit anyway, but if you pull the lever, All-Star will play when it runs them over. <laughs> I hate to admit that that is, a, that that,
0: that that is an actual quandary.
2: <laughs> There's also, you know, a version with one of those, like, sonic loop-de-loops. But it'll do a sick-ass loop-de-loop. I'm thinking of all the different things about... Because it's like, these
0: people are going to die, and they know they're going to die. So now the real question is, is it ethical to make me and them laugh? <laughs> Moments before death.
1: Is it ethical to turn their death into a spectacle?
0: So I, what I do in that situation is think, okay, if I were one of those people on the track, knowing I was going to die, and somebody had the option of pulling a lever that played All-Star right before I died, what would I think? I know what I would think. Pull the fucking lever. Because only betterment that could literally only make the moment easier to process and more enjoyable than it otherwise would be. <laughs> so I will die to Smash Mouth rather than nothing.
1: <laughs> and that is the big philosophical takeaway of <laughs> from this, this entire, entire podcast. podcast. It is I better to die, die to Smash Mouth. <laughs> to die to silence. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: uh, yeah, we made, we made it eight episodes, but I think we peaked. <laughs> well,
2: that's, uh, I definitely think that's it's um, a glowing review of Smash Mouth.
0: <laughs> Not really, because there was no other choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Smash Mouth. Between Smash Mouth and nothing, I'll choose Smash Mouth.
1: <laughs> the 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 other trolley problem uh, solution that I've seen was uh, in that movie, that shows a good place. Yes the yes, guy who, who watch all of it couldn't quite figure out what the dilemma of the trolley problem was,
3: mm.
1: so he was he 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 drew a solution the optimal solution to the trolley problem, which is don't shift the track and just lean out really far with an axe to get the last one hmm. <laughs> 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 Wait a minute, to get the last person? To kill the last person? To, to kill the other person who's, who's alone on the track. <laughs> 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 the character was a demon. Okay. he was supposed to be...
0: Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because that's like, that. you're, you're literally going to be... He didn't understand be, ethics. The opposite direction. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so that, that was the joke, but that's... Okay. What, Anytime someone brings up the trolley problem, that, that's what goes through I my head.
0: am legitimately ashamed that that show has been out as long as it has, given the subject matter that it tackles, and that I've only seen, like, four episodes.
1: I've seen seasons one and two.
0: Because that is the type of show that I should have already watched all the way through.
1: Yeah, I broke my uh, sitcom rule to, to, to watch mm. that one. Because mm. you recommended it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the episodes that I watched were like, dude, this is really interesting stuff, and it's fucking funny.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I should give it a try anyway humanity so
1: going going into the reasoning what what of is? the trolley problem hot and cold empathy mm-hmm. <laughs> there there is 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 the trolley problem a, a question of, of or a gauge of your your empathy and the type of empathy you have or or is it a gauge of reasoning and what motivates you
0: I would say it's most certainly hopefully I don't regret being this um, definitive about it but I feel like it's most certainly a a gauge of your reasoning. Okay. Um, And the reason I say that is because emotion guides reasoning. Okay. Now, this may come as a surprise because for a very long time, you probably remember me basically saying, look, guys, you need to really get your fucking emotions under control because reasoning is more important. For a long time, that was kind of my thought process. But now...
2: You You took off the fedora. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely an element of that. I realized that you don't have reasoning without emotion. Okay. Because before, at the very base Is of Is this things, because,
1: like, um, emotion, <coughs> I don't want to say dictates, but it ha- heavily influences your values?
0: Yeah. It influences and defines your will to live.
2: Yeah, As okay. a human
0: being, you have to desire life. In order to continue living.
2: You can break people to the point where they don't want it anymore. Yeah.
0: That's an emotional decision. That's not a reason reasoning decision. Because you got nihilists who can offer you a reasonable argument for just offing yourself. Right. Well,
2: mm-hmm. Antinatalists to never reproduce.
0: Antinatalists.
1: I've never heard that word before, but I know exactly what it means. Yeah. Like um, uh,
2: that, Ma- or that Mad Lads episode with the Bjerk stalker. Yeah, what a weird guy. Better
0: to have never existed at all. I can't remember which philosopher said that, but that was a thing. Born into a world of monsters. But yeah, so, you know, it, I, I think I think it boils down to, to reasoning. It boils down to... Um, maybe we can sort of blend those two ideas. It boils down to how you reason through value.
1: I was going to say, it's got to be... It has to be, at least with the trolley problem, there has to be a value yeah. that you, you have to... You have to have because the people who, um, you know, decide okay, I'm not going to push the fat guy, or I'm not going to change the track. Mm. Um, and we'll just go with changing the track on this one because I, I I understand not wanting to push the fat guy or refusing to push the fat guy. The I, I have a hard time understanding not changing the track, but I know people wouldn't.
0: Okay. Mm. Proposition. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm scatterbrained and I need to get this out before I forget it. Okay. Maybe maybe what we're getting at is that at the most fundamental level, what makes us identify someone as human or something as human is the balance between hot empathy and cold empathy. Because if you have too much of one, you can... If you have too much hot empathy, you... I would say manic... Hmm. Too much hot empathy would be would be something along the lines of manic, right? Your emotions are guiding you to the extent that you cannot be reasonable, and it's hard to identify with somebody who is strictly driven by emotion.
2: Okay, maniac.
0: On the opposite end of things, you've got people who are driven strictly, whose reasoning and value is driven strictly by cold empathy, which would be your psychopaths,
3: mm-hmm.
0: particularly maybe your sociopaths. Maybe it's hard because yeah, they they some... seem to lack a certain amount of value in general. Yeah. Um. So maybe that's that again. Maybe that's the proposition. It's it's, it's we, we decided we can kind of boil it down to reasoning more than anything else. Not the physical form. <clears throat> not the ability to apply meaning or necessarily. Okay. Not the ability to apply meaning or necessarily what you apply meaning to, but the value you place on the things that you apply meaning to.
2: Okay. okay.
0: I know that's kind of getting a little specific and and, and weird and you know really particular but I think that might be where we're kind of landing here.
3: Hmm.
0: Because if you had an alien species that was clearly not human but had this value they came down here and they said, "Well, look, you're not our species, but you reason, you you have this balance between reason and emotion, you place value on things the same kinds of things that we place value on." It's like You may not be our species, but your value comes from your ability to balance those two things. To say, look, we need to be able to understand how to keep our emotions in check without eliminating them. And Mm -hmm. keep our reasoning in check without eliminating it.
1: Are animals capable of cold empathy? Well, what I was going to... I had a few thoughts run through my head on that. First is, okay, an alien species comes down and they tell us, well, you re- you value the same things we do and you have a balance of emotion and reasoning like we do. Okay, I need to know your evolutionary history. How the fuck did that happen? That's what I want to know. Yeah. That's, that's a good um, second.
0: Question. Would that change the value you put on the life of that creature? Though That's the thing
1: could just be scientific curiosity. It would just be curious. Okay, curiosity. so this is kind of an offshoot. This is a um, yeah, parallel that, That's track the first of... thing that popped in my head. Okay. And I was going to stop it right there. Hmm. Um, second, um, you know, people who have too much cold empathy where you know, they're they're not going to change the track. All right, you know,
2: it, it's hard to empathize with that person.
0: Well, the cold empathy would be changing the track.
2: Hot empathy in that situation would be, uh, I don't know,
0: being unsure what to do. Yeah, to a certain extent. Well, well, cold empathy would be changing the track because obviously you kill one person. Okay, all right, you're not five.
1: So calculated or, empathy, right? Um, someone who, you know someone who's who's too manic, to 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 goes by their own emotions. So, and I'm going to kind of extrapolate. Um. Really, just caught up in their own things, Mm. is, and why we why we consider this a bad thing is from a societal standpoint. They they are a liability.
3: Mm.
1: They they will not be able to step up and do the things you might need them to do Mm -hmm. to help not just themselves but everyone survive around you. When when and if the shit hits the fan, someone who goes way too far the other direction so too much hot empathy um, they might be the reason the shit hit the fan they are they 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 are they can become a clear and present danger mm. which is why we might not con- necessarily consider them human
0: yeah see that's the weird thing it's like if you have too much hot empathy we'll still consider you human but a liability right. if you have too much cold empathy we start to think maybe you're not we start to lose that connection to your humanity
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So there is that to consider. I think humans maybe maybe because we can make that we can come to that realization or or epiphany or whatever it happens to be, that humans are much more connected to their emotions in general than they are to their their reasoning, oh, their yeah. logic.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: <laughs> and we all yeah. experience <laughs> that.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
0: when push comes to shove, emotions win.
1: <laughs> I, I just. It's, the, the alien, you know, looking at us as a whole. It's like, well, why why would we consider, well, this, this comes down to what helps a society survive. If you have an entire society made of nothing but maniac, actual maniacs, mm. those filled with mania, you don't have a society that lasts long. They're too wrapped up in their own shit. Yeah. If, if you have a society composed of Nothing but cold, calculating bastards. Um,
0: They're going to last longer, I would say.
1: They, they'd last longer, but it, it, you're, you're going to run into, a, in you know, and Capistan real quick.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or uh, I've recently. Been, uh, any of you played Oddworld? It's no.
0: been a long time, and <clears throat> well, there's a, little, a only a little bit.
2: There's a species in that called the Vikers. They're an example of cold empathy taken to a. A high extreme, but still manage to be enough hot empathy to have sadism. I.e., they're wrapped up in their own shit, but also they're all about the experiment itself and what they're doing. Or is that more of a case of maniacs, hot empathy?
0: I'm trying, I'm struggling with that particular example to equate hot empathy with sadism
2: oh you're right that's not empathy at all that's an absence of empathy usually okay. <laughs> well then you say that uh, psychopaths require some element of empathy in order to connect with them to appreciate that pain
0: fair enough fair enough okay that's true with sadism in particular that you, you would need to understand what the person is going through in order to be a sadist
2: to have fun with the pain you call causing true so it might not be the best example but something I thought of
0: right Okay,
1: so I appreciate the nuances of stabbing but with a, a screwdriver versus an <laughs> ice pick. Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, one leaves a bigger hole, but the other one goes in easier. <laughs> Start with one, go to the other. <coughs>
0: it's the balance between how much mess you want to clean up versus how much pain you want to cause. <clears throat> it's like you know, I you mean, know, I want to cause a lot force, of pain, but it's more. And of how a much force up.
2: you can apply? True. Yeah, they got twiggy arms.
1: If you've got twiggy arms, you can't really use the screwdriver.
0: If they're super twiggy, you don't need the screwdriver.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Just Key give it that old <laughs> T-1000 action. <laughs> I
0: was
1: thinking Through about the milk that. carton. Yeah, I was, I was yep. thinking about that scene like last <laughs> week. I don't know why, but it popped in my head. <laughs> but yeah, the... Um, I, I think that the, the societal value of that is, is something to consider. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is an is is a Kantian idea, but the the whole golden rule type thing, treat others as you wish to be treated. Well, you identify these people as they they can't mm. treat you as you want to be treated, and they're, therefore, in a Kantian system, they are a, a total liability to the the building of a successful society.
0: Yes, you're using Kant in that now there there might be something in Kant that. Uh, the... Tackles that, but I haven't come mm. across it. I'm by no means a Kant expert. There are just certain ideas I've read about his that, that I'm familiar with. Um, so maybe t- taking Kant out of that equation, explain it.
1: Well, it, the the reason I brought up brought up Kant in that specific instance is you know, one of the big things he talked about was um, you know, everything would work
2: well if... Um, Hang on
0: say say, say the producer, please
2: oh um yeah, uh, thank you I think you said you didn't thank the uh, last bronzer enough, so we
0: know we're 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 getting there man <laughs> he's he's wrapping it up, wrap it up, wrap it up,
1: he's a, a fucking tax
2: taskmaster
1: <laughs> not tax master um that's that's something entirely different yes, um continue that a, a society functions well if. Everyone acts in a way that they, they would like to be. Um, or If you act in a way that you wish everyone else would act.
0: Yes. Okay. So well, For a second, I thought you were starting to border a little bit too much on objectivism, yeah. but yeah, that's not where you that,
1: went. I, phrasing was clunky. Sorry. Mm. So, if everyone acts the way... Or if you act the way everyone else, you wish everyone would act. Yeah. Then society will work well with maniacs and psychopaths you are you're You, you are talking about a group of people that for whatever reason cannot act that way
0: no they're more they're concerned with what they can get out of people right primarily yeah
1: so from a Kantian standpoint they are a liability to, an, to a functioning right. society right. that's where I was going with okay okay so at
0: the very at, the, at minimum we've legitimized the golden rule for anybody who hadn't really thought much about it. I won't even mm-hmm. say thought that it wasn't valuable because I think most people understand the value of the Golden Rule. Right. But legitimizing it, because it's one of those things, you know how like you use oh, a word I, I, so many times it starts to lose it
1: its is, meaning? Is what I did there. Yeah. Um, but you,
0: you, you, know, you, you use a word so I many times. I use the Golden and,
1: Rule to justify.
0: We take it for granted. <laughs> right. So breathing a little bit of logical life into it is a good thing.
1: Okay. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a there's a moral aspect to it as well. Right. Um, the golden rule isn't strictly logical. Right. 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 It it there. It it is a moral prescription, in and of itself.
0: Right. But moral prescriptions can become can become. Um, it's not that they actually literally become meaningless, but they become cliches. So we stop. There's like a connection that we make to them where it just we hear the thing and then we just sort of cut it off. Mm-hmm. We stop making the connection to the meaning because we've heard the meaning so many times that we're tired of hearing it. It
1: becomes trite. Right. It yeah. becomes
0: trite. So, I think I think that's one of the good things about, like, when, when we talk about Peterson, a lot of people talk about, you know, well, it's like he 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 says things that we all understood but weren't able to put into words. Like, well, mm. we, we used to understand it much better than that. And he's sort of bringing it back, and that's probably why people look at him as like a, a conservative. It's like, he's not actually a conservative, but He's reintroducing conservative values in a way that it's like, look, this is something that we lost, that we still need to consider important. Yeah. Right?
2: Well, don't take out the parts that work.
0: Right. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater.
2: To use another cliche. Yes. Oh. Well, <laughs> which the psychopath would do very gladly. Yes. It's not his baby.
0: Not all tradition is evil.
2: To To reverse
0: Some
1: the... You don't want to throw the shrimp broth out with the with the shells when you're trying to make gumbo, see?
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, well. Well, now that we've belabored that metaphor, um, <laughs> we're closing in on the end of the podcast. We're mm-hmm. running definitely running longer than most, so let's see if we can circle back and, and, and identify if we've come to a reasonable answer to the question that we started with, which is... Human. Human. What is and how do? We well, didn't really touch on the how do all that much. No, no, we did. Yeah. yeah.
1: If if you want if you want to be considered a human, um, you you have to at a bare minimum reason from the in in a way oh, that uh, everyone uh, yeah. else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, operates because I know you were. We were gonna get there, and I was thinking we didn't really touch the how. do We did touch the how. Do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how we re- yeah, in fact reason. the
0: majority of the episode was the how do. It's weird.
2: Yeah. Well, what? Well, how do and what yeah. is are so yeah. Well, closely intertwined. intertwined. The thing is, yeah. we got through what is as soon as we decided to rip Miriam Webster there and who asked. True. <laughs> True. And you know, we got to the cyborg of Theseus and decided. Well, what is human is, well. It comes down to the emergent psych or the emergent entity of a of a brain bec- of forming a human mind.
1: Okay, so we've
2: determined and it, it has to have a relatable mental
1: landscape. Yes.
0: Right. Well, I would say a relatable moral landscape. Moral. When we're talking about how you apply value and meaning, that mm-hmm. is what morality is. Okay. Yeah. So here's what it seems like we've come to. What makes human human barring other species capable of these same things is the emergent uh, the the emergent phenomenon phenomenon of morality Mm -hmm. applied similarly across the species not exactly the same because we all have different moral landscapes or moral compasses but there is an intuition to whether or not it that moral landscape is close enough in identity to what we all sort of feel. So it sounds like what the the, the basic idea that we've come down to is it's it's real wishy washy, but we know it. Right, there there's it comes down to canny and uncanny, right? We can identify when something is starting to feel um, less human because it starts to stray from the um, some understanding of the average of the average of moral reasoning. I
1: I'd, I'd say not just stray but it actually has a direction. Okay. Which is why I was going for that the the Kantian society thing is you're not just straying you are becoming a threat. Okay. One way or the other. Okay. You're bec- yep. either a threat of a a a, a threat from not being able to support and help out because you're so wrapped up in your own shit or to a threat of you might be causing the shit because you just don't care. Right. Or you are in, unable to care and and, and help p- other people other than yourself.
0: Right, because we can identify with threats that have <laughs> reasons
1: mm-hmm.
0: that we can understand even if we, we are in direct opposition to those reasons. Right. That's an interesting point. Mm. I didn't think about that.
1: So that's why I brought the threat thing up, right? Yeah, and and uh, the the these people cannot be functioning in society. They and therefore in a Kantian society, they would be a threat to it. Mm-hmm. So when you stray into those zones of being a threat to society, uh, which I would argue is kind of a construction of individuals made grand, that that is when you cease to be. I don't want to say worthy, but.
2: You step away from what it is to be human a little bit.
1: You you start you start to lose humanity. Okay, yeah. You start in in that way.
0: This well, okay. I'll say this: the podcast could go on go on significantly longer mm-hmm. because I I don't think I entirely agree with that. I see where you're coming from, but I don't entirely agree with that because you're looking at it in terms of
2: um, threat assessment. I think.
0: Well, threat assessment I can understand, but it's hard to describe. It's like you're thinking about it more in terms of you're um, hmm. you're 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 placing the the value of a human on their utility to the species. Maybe that's what it
1: is. Yeah, and I don't, I don't like that I'm going that direction.
0: That's the direction that it but, feels like, and I don't agree with that necessarily. Well, yeah, um, it doesn't
1: have to be the direction of the species; just direct, you know, I, in I, general I,
2: social interaction.
1: I, I use society uh, and, and Kantian or a Kantian <coughs> society uh, there because you can apply that from society. You can also apply that to an individual mm. and an interaction with someone who's in that direction. <laughs> Um, they are. They would be a threat to society, but they're also a threat to you, potentially.
0: Right, and I would say that yeah. the the threat is an important thing to note, because I would say I'm I'm not so much concerned with their utility as within the the <clears throat> within society. I'm more concerned with their reasoning and <clears throat> their, their moral reasoning being so. I'm going to say foreign or alien. So at odds with the conservation or the sanctity of, of life, hmm. of human life in particular, but we also extend that to species that we like, like dogs and cats, hmm. that we empathize with. We, I would say that once you get to a point where the value that you place on those existences starts to stray too much and there's not it doesn't seem like there's a solid line here there isn't <laughs> but when it starts to stray too much from what most people feel is acceptable an acceptable hmm. amount then you start to feel like less human and the distinction there is hmm. i don't feel like i can identify with you to the extent that your reasoning scares me because hmm. there's a there's an element of chaos to it hmm. it's like i because i don't know how you're going to reason morally reason through this particular situation i don't know if you're what in what situation you're going to look at me and think i should kill you <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: or this is a situation where i should do something huh, that would be considered psychopathic
2: you're you no longer are, are standing in a room with a fellow human you're standing in a room with a predator
0: There is definitely that feeling, yeah.
2: That is shaped like a human. Yeah. You get that uncanny... The idea is that, yes, they have decided to cast aside empathy to become a more predatory creature.
3: Mm.
2: Well, um, I think... I think for the first time in the
1: podcast history, we've started with a question and actually given an answer.
0: Hmm okay (laughs) caveat (laughs) this is the first time in the podcast where we have started with a serious question and ended with a serious answer (laughs) because our immediately previous podcast we started with a well a question that and i quote is a stupid fucking question (laughs) and then answered it with a stupid fucking answer right I don't know what order this is going to come in, but we're talking about you know the uh, yeah. if the universe is so big, why won't it fight me?
1: <laughs> so and yes, no, not why would it fight Dave? Why won't it fight me? True,
0: true. That was entirely within the context okay. of why won't it fight Garrett?
1: Well, uh,
2: so well, I'm, I'm not of the opinion that it's a punk bitch anymore. So well, that's uh, good. I'm satisfied with the uh, with with uh, where we ended up.
0: I think we didn't come to the most solid answer, but I think we definitely came up with answers that a are different one at
2: least yeah
0: at minimum answers that are different than we would have come up with if we only tried to talk about it for five minutes in passing right I mean, yeah if, and I don't mean this to be self-serving at all but for me it was an epiphany to think of the basis of humanity being more on on the idea of reasoning than than meaning that was a weird one I wasn't expecting that But, yeah. Yeah. Well, do we have anything else to add to this podcast? So we've decided that what it means to be human has at least something to do with our capacity to reason in a broad moral landscape within the vague proximity of what most (laughs) people would consider um, non-threatening. Is that a fair assessment?
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In so many words. And, uh, right. Well, one thing to add is remember to buy Wolf Government brand anchovies. That's a throwback to the... F-
0: well, maybe not the first in order, but definitely the first one we recorded.
2: Yeah. Well, I... Do I pay got, attention I got, to our sponsors. Um, oh, I got a can today, and I gotta say, that is Big Wolf flavor. Yeah. Okay. Um,
3: <clears throat>
2: Thank you for listening to what I... I
0: actually think might be the most significant in general podcast episode we've done.
1: Yeah, I've I've... I I think this is this is a mission accomplished.
0: Yeah, mission this done. this is this is the dramatic equivalent of why won't the universe fight Garrett? Like that was that that was the comedic peak <laughs> up to this point. I think this uh, this podcast episode has been the dramatic peak.
1: Okay. Yes. Yeah. What is what's been the intellectual peak of this? Do we even have one? Or are we staying pretty baseline?
0: I'm 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 going to step back <laughs> and say we haven't made that.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, well ladies and gentlemen I hope you have a lovely whatever time it is when you listen to this and uh, we'll catch you next time peace